Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. Welcome back to the Pistols Firing Podcast. My name is Kyle Porter, and I am flying solo today. I've got a really interesting guest on that I've wanted to have on the show for a while. His name is Doug Shivers. He's You might know him on Twitter. His name is Castus29. That's uh, C-A-S-D-A-S-29 on Twitter. And he is... He's somebody that I would call, I guess, the first historian of the digital age of, of Oklahoma State athletics. He is uh, somebody who has collected just a ton of memorabilia and uh, interesting artifacts and photos and um, uh, media guides and programs and just different things over the years. And I wanted to talk to him just a little bit about how he got into that, uh, how he got started, how he even became an Oklahoma State fan, and uh, then some about just uh, what what uh, artifacts or what pieces of memorabilia that he's missing or that he would like. Uh, so yeah, we we, ha- we have a fun conversation here, and it's a very uh, you know it's kind of a deep dive on on Oklahoma State history. So if you're into that, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably into that already. So. Uh, big thanks to Doug for coming on and giving us a lot of time. And let's get to this week's guest on the Pistols Firing Podcast, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Okay, we're here with Doug Shivers. Doug, um, welcome to the podcast, and and I appreciate your time. I, I wanted to um, I wanted to kind of jump in and just give people a, a kind of a, a background, your history with Oklahoma state. Did you grow up loving the Cowboys? Was that a, when you went to college thing? What, what were kind of your early memories of, of uh, your love for Oklahoma state kind of, kind of growing? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on Kyle. It's a, it's an interesting thing. And, uh, you know, odd things have happened to me since I started throwing a bunch of stuff out there, uh, letting people look at, things I've acquired over the years. But uh, to answer your question, um, you know, I grew up uh, just as a kid who liked sports and played everything. Uh, there was a park across the street from my house that had 12 tennis courts and basketball goals and big open spaces. And so, you know, my dad uh, was an old college basketball player, played at the University of Houston. Uh, actually got drafted by the Baltimore Bullets in the 10th round in 1954. But I think I think in 1954, the NBA was maybe only eight years old and barely still viable. Uh, and, you know, they certainly weren't pulling down, you know, however many millions that average salary is today that NBA guys get. So uh, he he played, uh, I guess you'd call it semi-pro basketball, but there was a league called the National Industrial Basketball League. And companies across the USA sponsored these teams it was all sanctioned by the AAU, and uh, it was a good league. I mean, a lot of guys, you know, didn't want the uncertainty of the NBA. All of the teams were pretty much back east, and my dad 
and grew up in central Texas in a little town called Marlin, and he wasn't real interested in that. Um, so he played in the in the NIBL for a couple of years, and uh, by the time they got around to having me, he and my mom, uh, you know, he, he was a sports guy, and so naturally I just became a sports guy too. Now you asked about how did I come to love OSU. Well, I, that didn't really happen until I started going to school there, which was fall of 79. But, you know, as a kid, I don't remember really being a college sports fan. I loved the Dallas Cowboys. I used to watch them all the way back to the Cotton Bowl days. You know, I can I can still see those speaker tower poles that block the camera view uh, <laughs> on my TV screen uh, when I was a little bitty kid. Don Meredith and Bob Lilly and all those kinds of guys. Um, but uh, when it came time for college, I decided I was going to go to OSU and so, you know, there's sports there, and I like a ball game. Uh, so I started going to ball games. And, um, you know, I just became a fan, and I always will be a fan. And, and I just I just love OSU sports and have seen a lot of great players and a lot of great moments and had a lot of good times. Uh, I had my heart broken a few times over the years. but uh, For sure. it's It's been worthwhile. For sure. So. I, uh, I, I'm curious about because, you know, I – I was in college at, at Oklahoma state as well. And, and there are so many distinct memories that I have from that time from different games and, you know, different players that came through Kevin Durant, guys like that. And I'm curious about what, what were the, what were the memories while you were there that, and I think because it's such a formative time in college that really kind of stand out and, and, and are easy to reflect or think back on as you're, as you're thinking about it now. Uh, the, the, probably one of the earliest ones at OSU that jumps out at me is the day that the defending NCAA basketball champion Louisville Cardinals came to town and uh, they had lost a couple of their good players uh, to graduation and onto the NBA, but they were the defending champs. And so they're coming to Gallagher hall and uh, my buddy on the floor says, we need to go to this game. And I'm like, all right, let's go. I like games. And we go over there and, the game's close, and Gallagher Hall's probably two-thirds full, uh, which what did it hold about 6,500 at the time. Yeah. Um, so it was it was loud, you know, and and it's it's pretty cool. And I'd been to a couple games already, and I knew it was going to be that way. And I don't know how or why, but we were sitting like two rows behind the Louisville bench as students. So I don't know if we just went there, and surely we didn't have tickets for that. I don't know, but anyway, there we were. And so it comes down to the end, and uh, probably most people uh, that are that are old enough, I guess, remember that uh, OSU's down one. Uh, Louisville has the ball. There's a foul. The guy goes to shoot free throws. He misses the free throws. The ball bounces to the corner. Uh, the little point guard for OSU, Eddie Hannon, gets the ball. Uh, there's just a few seconds left, and he dribbles up towards the middle of the floor, and right when he gets to the half-court circle, he just launches one and banks it in, and OSU wins the game, and I think the score was 72-71. to 71. And, you know, people rushed the floor. I didn't. I stood there behind the Louisville bench because all those guys had stood up uh, as the game wound down the last few seconds. And then when he made that shot, they all just plopped down in their seats, you know. But I stood there and just kind of soaked it all in and, and watched, you know. And, uh, and it was great. Uh, you know, they, they that wasn't a great team, but that was sure a heck of a moment to be, to be involved with 
That was kind of the uh, the big country shot before the big country shot. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, so so I'll, I'll pat myself on the back here. Years later, as the the big eight was coming to a close, um, Philip sixty six put out a what is it a VHS videotape, and it was uh, basketball moments of the big eight because Phillips had always been, and I think they still are a, a sponsor of big eight and now big 12 basketball. Yeah. And they made this videotape and it had a whole lot of Kansas in it. And <laughs> not a whole lot else really, but, but it had uh, buzzer beaters from the big 12. And so it's the, it's the highlight that everyone has probably seen where Milton Brown throws the ball to Brian Reeves at half court. And he tips it to himself and then turns around and throws it in and, Maybe the clock started on time. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. But who cares? Because it went in, it counted, and OSU ended up winning that game in overtime. And then Jay Randolph is the old voice of the Big Eight basketball. And he's like, some people say that the best OSU buzzer beater happened several years earlier. And, and they had actually a videotape, you know, video highlight of, of Eddie Hannon doing all this. And that's really probably why I can remember it so well, because I've watched that highlight a zillion times. But I took that. And I pulled it out of the, the VHS onto my computer and put it on YouTube like ah, 10 years ago or something like that. And people watch it. And uh, so it's out there. You know, if anybody wants to go look at it, uh, they can go find OSU buzzer beaters and they'll get to watch both of them for the cost of about two minutes of their time. That's awesome. Shout out to uh, Dr. Lee Manzer for possibly not starting the, uh, the the clock on time in Stillwater. Um, good job. Good job, Dr. Manzer. I, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you because you, and this is sort of, I think, what, what has uh, attracted Oklahoma State fans to you. Certainly, in, in my case, it has. Your, your Twitter account is essentially just a feed of um, – nostalgic historical really interesting Oklahoma State memorabilia not just memorabilia but photos and uh, documentation of different things I saw you posted a a letter from Eddie Sutton that was written to you uh, the other day it it was just it's it's kind of hard to explain because it's so widely encompassing And, and I'm curious just about kind of when the love for collecting those types of things started and and how did that kind of take off as you were uh, I presume that that started after college, and and just how did that how did that get going? Well, it was accidental uh, to begin with, but and it wasn't really after college. But the deal was is that you know I told you my dad was a sports fan, and and he liked to go to games. He would take me to games. So living in Oklahoma City, uh, we would go to the occasional eighty niners game. Um, I had. This is back when the, the Oklahoma City Blazers first came to Oklahoma City, which I think was 1964-65. So I would have been four, but about four years later, I would have been eight. And I had buddies that played junior hockey. I never did, but they did. And we used to have these tremendous parking lot street hockey games. And uh, so I became a big hockey fan. And the Blazers at that time uh, had several guys that went on to win Stanley Cups with the Bruins and are now in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And it's mind-boggling to me to think that, you know, Jerry Cheever's the Hall of Fame goalie with all the stitch marks on his mask, played a year and a half at the Fairgrounds Arena in Oklahoma City. <laughs> but he did. Uh, but anyway, we go to all these kinds of games around Oklahoma City. The All-College, my dad, you know, he loved the All-College. Uh, and, and we would get programs. 
and I still have many of those programs, not all of them. I wish I did, but that became a habit with me. So follow 79, you know, I'm a freshman time for OSU football game. Hey, there's some programs. I'm going to get one. So I got it. Well, at the time they were nice programs. I mean, there have been years and, and I know this now I didn't then, but there have been years when the programs at OSU, and I think probably just due to the overall condition of the athletic program, um, they were skimpy, you know, yeah. they were maybe 20 pages. Uh, but, but in 79, they were nice, you know, they were thick, they had color covers and lots of information on the inside. And, and, uh, so I had this program at the end of the day and I'm, I don't know that I consciously thought this, but I just put it somewhere and I started stacking them up and because they were kind of nice and, you know, I didn't want to just throw them away. Uh, so that continued over the years. So, you know, fast forward and all of a sudden I've moved from Oklahoma City to Dallas for a couple of years and then to Austin for a couple of years. And now I'm going to move back to Oklahoma City and been going to football games the whole time. And I noticed, crap, I have a lot of these programs. You know, Do I want to get rid of them now? Well, no, because they have great pictures inside and, you know, the rosters are all there. and You can look back at them and it's fun for me. And I guess it is maybe for others. Uh, to look back at that stuff sometimes and go, yeah, I, I remember that, you know, I, I, that picture's awesome. I remember when their uniforms looked like that, or, you know, I look at the roster and see the players that you hadn't thought of in a long time. And so, so I've, I kept all that stuff. So, um, um, George Brett was my favorite baseball player and I would occasionally go to a sports card show. And if they had something that was Oklahoma state, I'd buy it and I bought an old blue bonnet bowl pennant and I kept it cause I went to the blue bonnet bowl. I didn't buy a pennant at the time, but you know, six or eight years later I found a pennant from that. So I bought it. Um, started accumulating some stuff like that. And then the internet started and then eBay started <laughs> and people started selling stuff online. And, uh, let's, let's just make a long story short and say my wife is, very understanding. <laughs> so, with, with the the amount of material that you put on online, whether that's Twitter or wherever, it, it seems like you you have like a, a a separate house to store all this. Where do you keep it all? It's just a bedroom. Okay, just a bedroom in a closet, and you know, a great deal of what I have is still those programs. Yeah. Now, yes, they stack up and take up some space, but it's not like I have to have you know, an annex to my house to, to, to keep what I have. And, and a lot of what I have is smaller stuff. You know, what I have is stuff that a fan would accumulate over the years. Cause yeah. that's what I am. Yeah. Uh, so I have, I have stadium cups and I have, you know, pennants and stuff like that, that fans can buy. You know, I try to grab the free schedule posters whenever they're giving them away and I'm around, uh, pocket schedules. Um, you know, just, just little knickknack things, but sometimes you can put a bunch of it together and it, it looks kind of cool and it makes people remember and somebody will go, I used to have that, you know, <laughs> I, like, well, why don't you still, you know, I, I'm actually staring at right now. I've got a, uh, 1991, 1992 basketball media guide. It's got Eddie Sutton and, uh, Mr. Iba on the front. I think it's 91. Mm -hmm. Got some, got some orange on the front of it yeah. there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so I grew up going to all this stuff, most mostly baseball. My 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 parents, my family, we were we were into the baseball stuff, the Gary Ward and and uh, Tom Holiday and you know that whole era. But but there was some basketball and football mixed in as well, and I still have a lot of it. And and it is to your point, it's really interesting to look back on and be like, oh yeah, I remember. I remember this, or I remember that, and you know, sometimes we'll we'll put some of those photos on on Instagram or whatever. But I'm I'm curious about this. I I read, and this is a couple of years ago. So you said the most desired. I don't know if that's the right word, but the the thing that you coveted the most that you don't have is a 1945 Sugar Bowl pennant. I think I'm getting that right. Have you have you found one of those yet? No. Well, it's a Cotton Bowl pennant. Cotton Bowl. And it's uh, it is 45, and and those are pretty scarce. And I don't have one of those. Uh, there's one in Heritage Hall. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure a couple of people have them. And I'm not the only guy out there collecting Oklahoma State and Oklahoma A&M stuff. And I know there's uh, there's one guy in particular in Tulsa that probably has. Um, he's, he's got deeper pockets than I ever had. Uh, so uh, <laughs> he, he can pretty much get what he wants when he sees it, you know. So, uh he, but I'm sure he has a great collection. I, I, I would, I would love to. I know his daughter a little bit uh, through a through a common acquaintance, and she said, "Yeah, he just has it all put away in the basement." Oh. And to me, I'm like, "Well, that's no fun. You know, <laughs> spread that stuff out and let people look at it." And and that's what I try to do on on Twitter. Uh, is I, I don't ever want to. I hope I don't come across as showing off. Yeah. Because what I'm trying to do is just like, hey, you know, here's something that I think is kind of cool, and maybe other guys will think it's cool too if they remember, you know, or, or sometimes even if they don't. I mean, some of the old logos and Pistol Peaks and different stuff that, that I have images of, you know, that uh, that I've scanned out of programs or found over the years, decals, whatever. Uh, I don't know. I just think some of that stuff's fun to look at, and they don't make them like that anymore, you know, it's, everything's licensed and slick and you have to hire these sports logo firms to, <laughs> to do things and it wasn't like that you know once upon a time uh, yeah things look different and just old school yeah no you're you're right i was thinking of the 46 was the sugar bowl where oklahoma state played uh played saint mary's right. um I, I i have a pennant from that and, and it's and there are gosh i've seen probably five or six different kinds of pennants from that sugar bowl. But the cotton bowl uh, seems to be different. And I think it's because, you know, it was more of the, the World War II years and resources yeah. were scarce. And uh, there just wasn't a lot of that stuff out there. So when you when you see some of the, um, the, the, the modern era tributes to, like, take the 1995 basketball uniforms or – some of the stuff the football team has done on uh, usually on homecoming where they'll kind of pay tribute to a certain helmet or a certain, uh, I don't know, Jersey or, or uniform, a, a different era. Does that stuff excite you? Or are you like, Oh yeah, I remember, you know, I, I I've, these are photos that I've pulled before. Does, does anybody from OSU ever consult you and be like, Hey, what would, <laughs> what would be the best thing to do here? What, what is, what are your thoughts on all that stuff? Well, I like that stuff. You know, I think it's great that they that they pull out an, an older look on homecoming for football all the time. I thought the thing that they did last year with the baseball team, and they, they finally got around to giving the 59 team yeah. some NCAA championship rings, but they, they had uh, 
you know, the whole, the whole uniform made up, uh, Nike, I guess, went through and, and copied the 59 champs, you know, that it was flannels back then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it said stayed across the front and, you know, had a lot of piping on it, had a, a bucking horse on the sleeve. There's been so many bucking horses over the years. People don't realize yeah. everybody knows the one that shows up on most of the Nike stuff. But when you look back through the old photos, I mean, everybody is like, Oh, we need a bucking horse. Okay. Well, here's one. Well, let's just put it on there. You know? And they're all different from each other. That's okay. But yeah, I, I like that stuff. And, and I, I wish they would do more at homecoming. You know, I think, I mean, there's a couple of great old songs that the band used to play that were old fight songs yeah. that have gone away. I mean, they could roll those out, you know, if there's any if there's any A and M alumni in the stands, I'm sure they would love to hear that. And the other thing I wish they would do is find that old sign that used to hang on Cordell that said uh, Cordell says give them hell, and then they wrote censored across the hell <laughs> cowboy, you know. And it, it was it was like almost the length of the the main part of the building. Well, why can't they hang that thing from the west end zone on on homecoming? You know, it's it's really cool, and, and I think you're right. I, I'm curious about like what else. So you said that the Bronco is something that people don't realize. What what are some of the other things is you've kind of dove into the archives in, in the past of like, oh, that that's interesting. Nobody ever talks about X or nobody ever talks about blank. Like what what are some of the things that have surfaced that you're like, man, I didn't I didn't even know that before I kind of dove into some of this. Well, uh one thing that I like a lot, um, there was a period of time and, and as best as I can narrow it down, it's from about 1971 to about 1974 or five. But, you know, we, we've, Oklahoma State has always had the traditional Pistol Pete. And the original one, he had those fuzzy chaps on that were, I think they represented buffalo hide. Uh, and now his chaps are smooth. But in that little period in the 70s, he got redrawn completely. Are you still there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, he got he got redrawn completely, uh, and uh, <laughs> he got bell bottoms. I mean, it was the 70s. He got sideburns, <laughs> and and you know the the pistol Pete that we know, he pretty much just stands in that one pose with his guns drawn. Yeah. Well, this pistol Pete in the 70s, he did everything. Anything you could imagine. I mean, he marched in the homecoming parade on football program covers, and he roped, and he rode around on stuff and played musical instruments, and he did everything. He was he was on football covers for a couple of seasons, uh, and then he showed up just in other applications um, where they needed Pistol Pete doing something. There was a, there's a page in one of those old programs that, uh, salutes what they called the wagon wheel club, which I think was car dealers who donated vehicles for the use of the athletic department. Well, and so they drew what appears to be, I don't know, like a old Chevelle and it's got wagon wheels on it. And then Pete is sitting on the roof of it with reins coming down and his shotgun in his hand. And, you know, when have you ever seen a drawing of Pete with a shotgun in his hand? Yeah. So he's, he's riding around on the, on that. Uh, that was the Wagon Wheel Club. Uh, but all of these Pete's, uh, I found out later because I helped a guy uh, who was trying to compile his father's work. And the father was a guy named Dick Gilpin. And he was an Oklahoma State alum. 
and he was a graphic arts person and started a business in Oklahoma City called Graphic Arts Center. And his son, Greg Gilpin, was trying to find stuff that his dad had drawn because I guess there wasn't a very good archive of it. And his, his dad, Dick Gilpin, tragically passed away from a heart attack, I think, in 1980. Mm. Um, but he reached out to me because he saw something I posted on a message board one time. And he goes, I'm trying to see if that's stuff my dad might have drawn. And I mm. said, well, I, I seen the picture. And he goes, no, that's not it. And I said, well, what was your dad? You know, what did he draw? Maybe I have some other stuff. Well, I had a bunch of stuff that they didn't even have. You know, I spent a lot of time scanning and sending stuff to Greg. And uh, and even his son, uh, Dusty Gilpin, uh, who is a, an OKC artist of some local renown, I guess, uh, does a lot of stuff in the arts community, the Plaza District in OKC. They're all graphic artists. All three generations of those guys have been graphic artists. And I just think that's cool that, you know, you got the whole family, and, and I was happy that I was able to help them uh, find a bunch of stuff that their dad had drawn. And, uh, and we found some pretty cool stuff. There was a, a record album from, I don't know, the 50s, uh, probably one of the first things that Dick Gilpin ever did for Oklahoma State. Uh, and he put together the cover of this record. It was the kind that came in a box. I don't know if they were 78s, but uh, I know a guy who has a copy of it. And uh, we were talking, and, and he says, oh, here, this says Greg, it says Dick Gilpin right here. I think it might have actually said Richard Gilpin. So wow. we sent that to him, and, and that, that got Greg really excited. He'd never seen anything like that before, so. There's, there's things out there. There's there is there's so much out there. I was reading uh, Boomtown recently, which is a, uh, obviously about Oklahoma That's City. A good book. It's very good, and it talks about a guy named Angelo Scott who sort of helped kind of found Oklahoma City essentially, and mm-hmm. he ended up being. And he was an old OSU Oklahoma A and M president. Yeah, he was the president. I'm looking at it right now. It's from 1899 to 1908, and I was just I I, I didn't I I don't know why it caught me off guard whenever I read that in there. I just didn't, I, I don't know. I, the, I guess the point is there's so much history and so much that, you know, we holler about like Tylen Wallace and Justin Blackman and all these guys. And it's like, man, there's a hundred years worth of stuff here that we just don't get to because there's not enough time. And so I'm, I'm glad for your research and for just the posterity of, of what you've kind of put out there, because I think it helps uh, kind of ground people to to the past, which I think is is incredibly important. But real quick, to your point on on the Pete's, that's my friends that are are not affiliated with Oklahoma State at all. They just live in you know other other states. Didn't go to OSU. They love the Pete stuff. Like they think the the golf Pete and the wrestling Pete and like the fireman Pete and the architecture Pete. They think that stuff is is awesome. And, and I agree. It is awesome. Like I, 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 I think OSU should lean into that even more just because I think it's such a unique branding thing that, that you don't get very many other places. I, I know that there are licensing issues that they have to deal with. I'm not sure what those issues are, but I think it's, it's harder now. You can't just print something up and throw it out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I understand that, but yeah, that's not the way it used to be. But you know what else, Kyle, is that some of those old, like for the different little colleges, like the College of Engineering, Yeah, there's there's a graphic, and, and there was one company back on the West Coast that did a lot of this stuff all by itself. Uh, but there's a graphic for 
engineers out there and it will show and then they they plug in the mascot of the school so it might be pistol pete it might be a texas a&m guy it might be a lehigh guy but then it says engineers down at the bottom but in in every instance of it he's standing there looking through a surveyor's tripod there's like a train running through the guy's legs and an airplane or a bridge or something it's the same i mean they just switched it over and it's it's the same thing you see for all the tiger schools. Yeah. You know, they all have that tiger with the sailor hat on. Yeah. But it might be purple and gold for OSU or it might be purple and orange for Clemson. Right. But it's pretty, you know, the Missouri has the black and yellow one that they wore on the helmets in the Liberty Bowl. It's the same tiger and it's the same company. It was a company called Angeles Pacific. Interesting. And and they they made made their way in the world by uh by drawing up these graphics for colleges and making logos. And as you can tell, a bunch of them are still in use today. Yeah. It's kind of cool. That is cool. Well, I I appreciate your time, Doug. I I know we've taken up a lot, but I I love talking about this stuff and, and I hope, uh, I hope more people will pay attention to your work and your, and your stuff that you put out on Twitter because it's really good. And I think it's, like I said, it's just, it's really interesting to me. And, and so, um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on and, and, uh, talking about kind of how, all of that came about and uh, wish you the best finding that 1945 cotton bowl pennant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I can find one of those and, and the other one I need is an 88 holiday bowl pennant, which those seem to be rare for some reason, but yeah, uh, I'm always looking and, and you know, <laughs> you never know when some might turn up. So it's a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on Kyle. Thanks Doug. We'll talk to you later, uh, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, that was Doug Shivers. Again, appreciate uh, the time that he gave us and and just his unique perspective on Oklahoma State and and Oklahoma State history, really. So we're going to hear from Chris's one more time, and then we will come back. I'll come back with my big takeaway from our talk, and then it's the weekend. Every day is the same, pretty much in quarantine, but uh, it is the weekend after today. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, my big takeaway from Doug is a very specific takeaway. He talked about how much the Bronco is used in, in Oklahoma A&M and, and Oklahoma State history. And I, I think that I would have thought that just based on, like he said, the one kind of Bronco logo that you see on the homecoming helmets and a lot of the Nike stuff, but I didn't realize how many different variations of it, I guess that, that there are. And man, I, I just, as, as I was talking to him, I, I, I think that the history of a lot of this stuff, it just gets so buried because like I said, like we care about what's going on with the 2020 football team or what's going on with the 2021 basketball team or what happened a week ago or a month ago or whatever. And I think so much of just the historical context gets lost in a lot of ways. And I think that there's some, you know, there's some sadness there. there. There's some there that like, that's okay. That's how it should be. Like, this is the way things should happen. But 
I love grounding everything in uh, just the historical context of whatever industry we're in. So the way that we're talking right now, it's Oklahoma State Athletics. It's Oklahoma State University as as a school dating back to the 1800s. And and so I think Doug is able to shine just a little bit of light uh, on that. So thanks again to him for coming on. Thanks to Chris's for sponsoring the podcast. They have been great. Check us out on the forum, forum.pistolsfiringblog.com. We got a ton going on there, a bunch of giveaways on Fridays, not just this Friday, but uh, but every every Friday for the near or in the near future for the time being as we uh, just try to just spread spread a little a little joy during during such a weird time. So thank you guys for listening. If you can rate us and review us uh, on iTunes, that would be uh, in iTunes, on iTunes. It's not even called iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever. You, you know what I'm talking about. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. That is uh, incredibly helpful to us for the future. So thanks again for listening. We had a fun week. Phil Forte, OKC Dave, Doug Shivers, first historian of the Oklahoma State Digital Age. And we will be back next week with some more guests. So we'll talk to you soon.